2: I'm Jenna Ellis, and welcome to Just the Truth Podcast, sponsored by the Thomas More Society, which is a not-for-profit national public interest law firm dedicated to restoring respect in law for life, family, and religious liberty. You can find them at thomasmoresociety.org. In the past 48 hours, Israel has been hit with 1,200 missiles, and... From Hamas, and as of today, reports indicate that at least 65 people have been killed in Gaza since violence escalated Monday, and medical officials have said that six people have been killed in Israel. Former President Trump issued a statement yesterday afternoon saying this. When I was in office, we were known as the peace presidency because Israel's adversaries knew that the United States stood strongly with Israel and there would be swift retribution if Israel was attacked. Under Biden, the world is getting more violent and more unstable because Biden's weakness and the lack of support for Israel is leading to new attacks on our allies. America must always stand with Israel and make clear that the Palestinians must end the violence, terror, and rocket attacks and make clear that the U.S. will always strongly support Israel's right to defend itself. Unbelievably, Democrats also continue to stand by crazed anti-American rep Ilhan Omar and others who savagely attack Israel while they are under terrorist assault. In case you're wondering, this is what real leadership looks like. So where is our supposed current president, Earth to Joe Biden? Will he also reiterate that America stands with Israel? Joining me now live from Jerusalem to discuss is Joel Rosenberg, founder and editor-in-chief of All Israel News. Joel, thanks so much for joining me tonight. And first, I'm very glad that you are safe.
1: Thank you, Jenna, I appreciate it. It's been a very, very hard uh, several days.
2: Yeah, so what is the update there from Jerusalem?
1: Well, even since you and I have been uh, texting throughout the afternoon, we're, we're close to 1,500 rockets having been fired at, at us. Um, each one of these, Jenna, is a war crime. It's a double war crime. And what I mean by that is these uh, rockets that are being fired from the Gaza Strip by either Hamas or their, their uh, partners in crime, uh, the Islamic jihad. These are fired from civilian population centers, from schools, from playgrounds, from hospitals, from mosques, from from factories. So it, it, it's and they're using Palestinians in Gaza as their civilian shields, their human shields. And so that's one war crime. Then when they fire at, Israeli civilians at our schools, our kindergartens, our playgrounds, our our homes, our apartments, our you know our 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 businesses. That's a second uh, war crime. So so you've got almost three thousand war crimes, and yet the UN is trying to put together a doc uh, you know a resolution to condemn us. Uh, the Biden administration has been almost invisible. Uh, they they you know. I agree with President Trump that he was strong. You, everybody knew where he was when it came to Israel and he knew and everybody knew where he was when it came to radical Islamism. Uh, right now, it, President Biden is being tested on the world stage, particularly on the issue of terrorism, and he and he is failing.
2: Yeah, and so what does it say to you when uh, former President Trump was the first to issue this strong of a statement and Joe Biden has still not made any specific public declaration?
1: Yeah, well, I I wrote about this at at All Israel News today. It was our lead story for most of the day until it got overwhelmed by so many other things that are happening. Uh, it's, It's a dereliction of American leadership. Now, listen, you and I have talked about this. Joe Biden is the best that the Democratic Party has when it comes to being pro-Israel. Uh, you know, I don't say that he's not pro-Israel, and he compl- he claims that he's a Zionist, and he's got crazies in his party. Uh, congresswoman Omar is one of them, Rashida Tlaib, another uh, a Palestinian, um, radical Palestinian uh, congresswoman, and there are others who, who hate Israel and actually side uh, with the forces of terror. So Joe Biden, President Biden is the best that the Democratic Party has, but up until just about an hour and a half ago, he hadn't even called the Prime Minister of Israel to provide support, to provide encouragement, to provide solidarity. He hasn't gone on camera so far as I'm aware, as you and I talk, uh, even to condemn Hamas and Islamic Jihad. And uh, he has affirmed, at least in this phone call, we understand uh, with Netanyahu, Israel's right to self-defense, okay, thank you. But the point is to condemn and make it clear that Hamas and Islamic Jihad are the terrorists and Israel's defending itself. You have to make that clear because the whole world is watching. All the other terror groups, including the terror regime in Tehran, the Iranians, they're watching and they're watching not just to see how Israel handles this crisis, But how president biden handles it and so far he looks uh, he he's not saying anything and his team is making mealy-mouthed statements like uh the state department spokesman saying both sides need to de-escalate what does that mean when someone when when a a terrorist is shooting at you what does it mean to de-escalate we're not supposed to defend our people like that's the that's the highest Moral responsibility of any government to defend its people. And that's what Israel is doing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Unfortunately, the Palestinians who are living under slavery, under their hostage conditions in Gaza by the Hamas regime, they're suffering too.
2: Yeah, well, this is coming from a president who also claims to be Catholic, yet won't stand up for pro-life. He claims to understand national security, but won't protect America's borders. And so you say he claims to be a Zionist, well, you know, if it follows all of the other trends with President Joe Biden, uh, he's not going to be very strong either. But um, in the last minute that we have here uh, with with you, Jill Rosenberg. um, Why is it so important uh, beyond just the obvious reason of defense is very different than being an aggressor? But why is it so important from a biblical perspective that America stands with Israel?
1: Well, from a biblical perspective, uh, God says very clearly in the scriptures, and I'm a, I'm from a Jewish background on my father's side, but I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm an evangelical and, and, and unabashed on that. And the Bible makes it clear. Uh, God says, I will bless those who bless you, meaning Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, the nation of Israel, and I will curse those who curse you. So that's a pretty fundamental principle that you don't wanna get on the wrong side of. But just from a regular geopolitical perspective, for America to be strong against enemies like Iran, North Korea, Russia, China, you have to stick close to your allies. And when your ally is under attack by almost 1,500, you know rockets, uh, and and you sort of can't quite find your moral compass, that is a bad message to everybody, and it makes Americans in more danger, not just Israelis.
2: Absolutely. It makes us look very weak to our allies. And that's the the fundamental message that Joe Biden is sending, is that he's not willing to stand up uh, to terrorists. He's not willing, clearly, to stand up to China. He's not willing uh, to stand firm, it seems like, on much of anything. But uh, Joel Rosenberg, thank you so much for that update. And I hope that you stay safe there in Israel. We'll be right back with more here on Just the Truth. Welcome back to Just the Truth, where on this show, we always talk about a deeper, more substantive level that's grounded in truth. If we just talk about the top-level political issues of the day, then it's not grounded in anything substantial. The question is, how do you formulate your worldview? What drives your perspectives and your opinions? Is that comprehensive in a moral foundation, or are you just absorbing the culture? Well I've received so many messages from parents, from college students, um, from just friends all across the country that love this program and this deep dive because we bring it back to the foundational philosophy. This is on purpose and part of the reason that I'm able to do that is because of the foundation that I had starting in homeschooling all the way through. You all know that I was homeschooled K-12, through I loved it. And as part of that, my parents also gave me the opportunity to attend summit ministries. This is a really critical program for high school students and early college students to learn to understand the biblical perspective and the truth-based perspective of philosophy and basically every substantive area and learn how to critically analyze key concepts and viewpoints to make sure that we can, as Christians, always have an answer for the hope that lies within us. Watch this video.
0: On the verge of abandoning the faith of their childhood, most young Christians have tried to find meaning through social media and entertainment. But in the age of lockdowns and riots and political instability, they find themselves teetering on the brink of despair.
2: You don't have anyone to turn to. You just feel like you're the only one that's struggling with an issue. Just that there's so much whipping back and forth of ideas. And being Christian, I feel like we're caught in the middle.
1: I didn't want to be another statistic of someone who left the church. I didn't want to be that.
0: Imagine an experience where young adults ages 16 to 25 can learn from Christian experts who answer their questions and help reignite their faith. That is Summit Ministries. We talk about things that you never talk about otherwise. Difficult discussions like abortion, pornography, and worldviews.
2: To not just teach us what to think biblically, but how to think. It's been cool to see the speakers interact with those hard questions in a way that's very compassionate.
0: The old is gone, the new has come. In Christ, you are a new creation. So if you have ever doubted,
1: you're in really good company. You know that biblically, but do you live that out? You know, the challenge for me is do I behave as if I know this is true?
0: Learning the fact is important, but there's more to it than that. At Summit, students are surrounded by caring mentors who've been there, whose faith has been tested, and who personally invest in others.
2: I was welcomed
1: with like such a love by absolutely everyone around me. We're sharing stories, we're sharing things that we've learned in the lectures. You can feel God's presence here with everybody around you and see that you're not alone. You can cry with him, you can laugh with him. That's the family of Christ. Summit isn't just an experience that you go through. I feel like Summit's also an experience that you take home with you. I'm so grateful for the opportunity that I've had to learn from so many great speakers on how to defend my faith, how to be confident in who I am in Christ, and how to seek truth.
2: I was given a spiritual revival. This has been one of the best experiences
1: of my life.
0: (laughs) No young adult deserves to be a statistic, not when this is a generation that could turn its trials into gold and make history. If this is your heart's desire for the young adults you love, we want to partner with you to equip and support them to embrace God's truth and live a completely different kind of life.
2: And joining me now is the president of Summit Ministries, my very good friend, Dr. Jeff Myers. Jeff, thank you so much for joining me on Just the Truth.
0: Jenna, it's so great to be on your show. So proud of you and everything that you're doing.
2: Thank you so much. And I'm so grateful for Summit Ministries and for your investment, uh, not only in me when, um, you know, I was a student way back when, when I was 16. And uh, now I've been able to partner with Summit Ministries and teach about the biblical worldview of law and our foundations of America. And uh, just seeing the opportunity for students uh, like, like me that came to Summit and are coming to Summit to have an answer for our faith. Uh, that's so important. And so Dr. Jeff, um, as you look at the mission of Summit and you look at what's going on in the culture, why is it so important for students to understand a biblical worldview?
0: Well, honestly, Jenna, and, and you know this because you face this every day, It's like as it, it's as if we are in the fourth quarter and we are down in the score. Seventy percent of young adults who grow up in church end up leaving the church by the time they reach their mid-twenties. Uh, third Church attendance is down to a third of Americans. It's been as high as 70 or 80 percent. Four out of 10 millennials claim to be nuns, which means they claim no religious preference at all. And now we're to the place where 58% of people say they believe the truth is individual. They don't even think there's truth out there to be found. And at the same time, this is the most anxious, depressed, suicidal generation, a generation where four out of five young adults say they have no sense of purpose and that they know where they're going in life and why they would go there. Somebody has got to connect the dots to restore hope but also to help prepare the kinds of leaders who will stand for truth in this coming generation.
2: Yeah and you know, young, young people are very interested in learning and knowing the facts about things and analyzing. And uh, there are so many young people who want to have the answers and want to be able to ask the really difficult questions. And if we don't prepare students before they get to college, they'll end up in college with professors who will tell them the answers according to a Marxist worldview or a secular worldview or some other cultural viewpoint like critical race theory. And the church is not preparing students well. I mean, even my own experience, I have wonderful parents. I love my family. I was homeschooled all the way through. I was raised in the church. I mean, I had everything in uh, probably the best greenhouse sort of environment to raise a little Christian plant that you know you could possibly have. And then going to college and ultimately to law school, uh, I was challenged in my faith. And uh, I went through a crisis of faith in law school because I had always been taught the biblical worldview of Uh, There is truth and there is morality to everything and there are, you know, the biblical worldview. But then going to law school, you're taught that everything is totally arbitrary. And what you were just saying about my truth versus your truth, well, law school teaches that uh, whatever the legislature sets and ultimately whatever lawyers can argue, that then becomes the prevailing a judgment on society and so it's not a matter of right or wrong it's just whatever the legislature or the government sets and that wasn't good enough for me that wasn't that was something where if I hadn't been grounded and been able to intellectually, Uh, process through all of that, then I imagine that I could have very, very easily become one of those statistics and become a bitter lawyer like you see a lot of others. And that's why I'm so grateful for Summit for giving me the tools to be able to process through those kinds of things. And I think you're right that uh, when students go to college and they're not prepared, then they have no way of even approaching the problem with any sort of tool set.
0: Right. I I think they even misunderstand what the problem is that they are facing. I think because of the way we see the news, we tend to think that this battle is between Republicans and Democrats or red states and blue states or religious people and non-religious people, liberals, conservatives, whatever. But the fact is, it's a battle over truth itself. On one side, truth can be known. And the other side, truth cannot be known. Therefore, all you can do is speak your truth and try to get enough power to shame other people into seeing it your way. That second viewpoint is now the dominant viewpoint in the United States of America, and it's no wonder that so many young adults are confused. They're, I mean, they're confused in law school, they're confused in medical school, they're confused in in philosophy 101 because they have never been heard. In church, that a biblical worldview has more, has something to do with your personal devotional life, but it also speaks to every single issue. And you can know the facts, you can know the truth, you can stand for an intelligent biblical worldview up against the counterfeit worldviews of the day.
2: Yes, and and it's often um, I see a lot of you have young people today, even you know friends my age and above who have this idea of uh, Christianity and of the biblical worldview as just an addition. To the rest of life. So this is just what I do on Sundays, and I have my faith, and Jesus loves everyone. Therefore, I shouldn't judge anything. And and they have this misunderstanding of the place of faith, rather than understanding that everything that we do and participate in, 24/7, how we live our lives, how we even understand the world around us, has to start with the knowledge of truth and uh, really theology, which is the knowledge about who God is and who the true God is. And so, um, so. When With the students that come to Summit, do you find that um, a lot of them are having to to relearn this sort of idea, or are they coming um, more with questions, or or what's really the average uh, student, what what do they look like in terms of their worldview when uh, they first get to Summit?
0: I love that question. I think students come from two different situations. Some come with unanswered questions. Some come with unquestioned answers. They've never really learned to think through their faith. And when they come to Summit, their minds are blown by realizing that, well, this is true. What you believe about God will determine what you believe about what is real. What you believe about what is real will determine what you believe about what is right and wrong. That will determine what you understand your mind to be, what society should be, what politics will end up looking like, what the law is like, how we should have our economic system, and ultimately what the course of history is. So when students begin to understand that Christian thinkers who are the most brilliant people who have ever lived have thought all of this through, you can take the things that they have learned and use them in your classroom to create curiosity, to find answers to your tough questions, and to be able to help other people find answers to questions what naturally happens is that the students end up becoming leaders and you know how it is jenna if if just one person stands up and says Mm -hmm. no this is not the way we're going to go then it doesn't mean that everybody will agree with you but people will start coming to your side who are saying i i knew there was there was something wrong with the way it was going on but i didn't know what to say i didn't know what to do let's walk together
2: Yes, if one person can boldly stand up for truth and say, "No, I'm willing to stand firm and just look at reality and to say, "I'm willing to stand up for truth, we can do a lot. We'll be ready. Right-
0: Welding instructor Alex Declaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills.
2: Welcome back to Just the Truth. I'm continuing the conversation with my good friend, Dr. Jeff Myers, who's the president of Summit Ministries. And we're talking about the importance of having an answer for the hope that lies within us, having a reasonable faith. And Dr. Jeff, we've been using this term worldview. Why don't you define that for us?
0: Yeah, that's a, it's not a common term in a lot of places, but a worldview is a pattern of ideas, of beliefs, of convictions, and of habits how we understand ourselves, God, and the world around us. It's its an idea, an idea is a thought about the way things really are, and then our ideas turn into beliefs when we hold them closely, they turn into convictions when we have to stand for them, and they turn into habits when we live them out. So the key is this, understanding patterns is the key to everything in life, isn't it? When I was in business, If I didn't understand the pattern of the business segment that I was in, I could not succeed. When I was involved in academia, I had to understand the same thing. I had a friend who was a professional tennis player, and he told me that the ball moves so fast in tennis that physiologically the the only way to succeed is to hit the ball back before your brain realizes it has arrived only way to do that is to understand deeply and intensively the patterns of play. So at Summit Ministries, we introduce students to this idea of a worldview. We say there is such a thing as a Christian worldview, but guess what? There are counterfeit worldviews that are all trying to tear down a Christian worldview, and if you understand what those worldviews are and know how to respond intelligently to them, you won't be caught off guard anymore, whether you're watching the news or sitting in class.
2: Mm -hmm. And that's such a great uh, revelation that a lot of people need to recognize is that everyone has a worldview. This isn't an exclusively Christian premise. Everyone comes to the table with a set of presumptions and uh, basic assumptions that we make about the reality to which we're presented. And those assumptions can and should be challenged. And when we're able to rationally and reasonably defend our presumptions, then that makes us able to defend why we have them in the first place. And if we don't have a good defense, then maybe they're not in alignment with truth. And so as you look at the Christian worldview at Summit, uh, you also compare and contrast to other worldviews, and students are then challenged to say, well, which worldview actually makes sense with reality?
0: That's exactly right. You know, I I, I admire some people who are atheists, and they, they make some really good debating points. Hats off to them. But if you line up a secular worldview side-by-side with a Christian worldview in all of the major areas of life—theology, philosophy, ethics, biology, psychology, sociology, law, politics, economics, history—there is absolutely no comparison. A secular worldview has nothing substantive to offer other than a critique— of a biblical Christian worldview, which was essentially the worldview of the founding fathers of the United States of America, so I, it's it's exciting for our students to realize, yeah, I, I don't have to be offended when my professor, who is a Marxist, makes some comment here or there, because if I were to line up their viewpoint with a biblical viewpoint. What they're saying is not rational overall, even if they can make a jab or two here or there. What happens is students lose their fear at that point, because then they learn to ask questions and probe. How do you know that is true? What do you mean by that? Those kinds of things that, that change the nature of the classroom discussion, draw other students into the discussion, and put truth right back on the table when the professor intended to take it off the table.
2: Yeah, that reminds me of uh, the book by our friend Greg Kokel, who teaches at Summit, uh, the book called Tactics, which is um, a wonderful book that basically flips the table around. And rather than being on the defensive all the time of people saying, why do you believe in God? Well, this doesn't make sense. Why are you pro-life? Turning that around and asking them about their worldview and just through a series of questions, uh, really basic, you can get to the root of what someone is thinking because you can't have a conversation if you aren't speaking the same language if you haven't defined clearly your terms and you aren't both at least agreeing on some of the basic assumptions that we've talked about. And so people like Greg Kokel um, who teach students at Summit and who approach these things really giving students uh, I think a great clear picture of the questions that not only uh, they should be asking others but also asking themselves as well. And our churches aren't doing that.
0: No, they they really aren't. Uh, sadly, right now, according to research done by George Barna, the pollster, it shows that only 19% of church-going, born-again Christians have a biblical worldview, and only 6% of Gen Z church-going, born-again Christians have a biblical worldview— So they are not seeing the world from the standpoint of truth. They're seeing it from the perspective of ideas that they randomly assemble from what they see on television, what they hear from their friends in culture and and, and in social media.
2: Right, and and this is where when pastors uh, aren't teaching comprehensive theology and you see some pastors uh, teaching white fragility, for example, and some of these things that are so fundamentally inconsistent with biblical truth, uh, then you see that obviously the pastor himself hasn't thought through. A truth-based worldview, and so is teaching more just like a self-help group or a TED talk, rather than uh, actual substantive theology. And so, so Dr. Jeff, when when students come. Um, are, do you find that most of them, at least, identify as a Christian, even if uh, after the end of two weeks they have a much clearer definition of what that means? Are most of the students that come at least uh, wanting to say, "Yes, I am a Christian," and they, their viewpoint just needs to be changed, or do you get students that also um, are there saying, "You know, hey, I'm going to come and you know show you why you're wrong"? <laughs>
0: Oh, I I love having students like that, uh, not because we can put them in their place, but because I was there when I graduated high school. I thought my church doesn't have any answers to anything important. I'm going to graduate from high school and graduate from church at the same time. And, you know, the ministry that I have the privilege of heading up now is is 58 years the running. So I, I was able to come through as a high school student myself and I asked the founder of the program, I said, I hope you have a lot of answers because I have a lot of questions. You know, I was 17 and I was all that. Uh, but he said to me, we're not afraid of questions at Summit.
2: Mm, and, that and-
0: absolutely changed my perspective on life. I don't have to be afraid. I can ask these questions and I can find truth.
2: Yeah. And so what are uh, some of the main questions that students ask?
0: Uh, I, I would say the the big questions they're asking are things like, how do we really know that there is a God? How do we know that God is as described in the Bible and not other concepts of God? How do we know there is such a thing as truth? How do we know this is not all an illusion? Or how do we know that we can actually know the truth? Because a lot of people say, yeah, I think truth is probably out there, we just can't know it, um, which is a claim about truth, of course. But they also are asking questions about if if God is good, why would He allow bad things to happen? What about those who have never heard? How do we know the Bible is true? They ask a they ask a lot of questions about sexuality because sex, um, you know, as in the current culture isn't something that you do, it's an identity that you have. And so they're wondering, you know, I I feel attracted to the same sex or or whatever, or what is what is sexuality? But you know what, Jenna, they're not asking in a defensive or angry way, usually. They, they want to know, what, what does the Bible say about a sexual ethic? And I want to be able to say, well, this is what the Bible says. Um, they may agree with it or not agree with it, but at least we have the opportunity to talk about the truth. And the students I'm working with don't seem to be afraid or offended by that.
2: Mm-hmm. And uh, as I've taught there, and I love interacting with students, and one of uh, my favorite parts is the question and answers at the end, because that's where you really see how are they thinking, what, uh, how are they processing some of these ideas, are they being challenged with maybe uh, you know, some ideas that they've never really thought about before, and one of the most common questions um, I get as well is, okay, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't want to live in a society that forces Christian truth on other people. What's your response to that?
0: Mm. Well, I, I, there are several things, and there's the law school answer, which is someone's morality is going to be legislated. The only question is whose morality and on what basis. So if if I say, I have a particular viewpoint, and I'm going to force it on you, that's a very different thing from saying, well, reality is what it is, Right. You're entitled to your own opinions, but you're not entitled to your own facts. Reality is what it is. And we want to be responsive to reality. If I stand on top of a tall building and think positive thoughts about going up, I'm not going to go up if I jump off that building. I'm going to go down because gravity doesn't really care. Uh, you know, you don't violate gravity. You, you prove it. Mm-hmm. And in a similar sense, if reality really exists, and we can discover something about it, ought we not base our lives on that? Because what is the alternative? Let somebody who's the most chatty get their way. Let the person who knows how to shame other people the most get their way. Let the person who is is most power-hungry get their way. None of us want to live in a world like that.
2: Mm-hmm. And, and that's what the left is trying to say with this, with democracy and their whole idea that majority wins and majority equals truth. And that would be as ridiculous as a, as a premise as saying, well, if Congress decides tomorrow to outlaw gravity and say a great idea would be that everyone can fly and they. Drew up legislation. They enacted it. They have no actual authority to implement it. And so, in terms of of making sure that we are organizing our society that reflects reality and that that reality also contains a moral component. And we know that just by the self-evident truth, which is our founder's language, self-evident truth of a natural God who endowed us with our rights, not our government. And our rights pre-exist our government. And I think for students recognizing that moral truth is just as firm and knowable as natural law and physics and science, uh, that's that's something I think that they haven't really contemplated uh, often, and especially in a world, Dr. Jeff, where science now is even up for debate. Things like the, the biological difference between men and women. If we can't even know that, if it's all just up to my truth versus your truth and how I feel today and it may change tomorrow, then everything is completely arbitrary. And when we live in a society that's just my truth versus your truth and total arbitrariness then we have no standards in place and we have no ability to say that anything is concretely right or wrong or good and evil and that's such a problem across the country and across all of these worldviews that come into conflict because we know because we're made in the image of God we know that there is a measurable difference between right and wrong and good and evil so we're going to talk more about worldviews and summit ministries when we come back on just the truth Continuing the conversation with Dr. Jeff Myers, who's the president of Summit Ministries and explaining what a worldview is. And uh, Dr. Jeff, one of the questions that you said students most often have is, how do we actually know there is truth? What's your response to that?
0: Well, I always like to engage in a dialogue with them about this, but there are four key things that you have to keep in mind. First of all, truth tends to emerge whenever you question it. If somebody says there is no such thing as truth, They have just proclaimed the existence of a truth. If someone says, well, that may be true for you, but that's not true for me, they've told you what is true for you. So truth tends to emerge, and that is a significant point. Second thing is that we know that there are essences to things, that we take justice, for example. Justice is real. It is a category of meaning that exists independent of our ability to perceive it. It's not just our own personal opinion. And and so we know when something unjust has happened, because we know that justice actually is real it, it means something it has an essence that it projects to people in all times and all cultures. And you know if, if I if I draw a letter a and say this is a letter a and you draw a letter B and say this is the letter a, then we know that something is wrong because the letter a projects an essence. your handwriting is different than mine, but if you if you arrive at B you know you've missed the point So it, and that is true about ideas as well as it's true about things like your chair or your car. The third thing is that words are meaningful. Now, a word is not the same thing as the thing to which it refers, but we use words in a meaningful way. I think it's fascinating when you get people like Professor Stanley Fish, the postmodern uh, law professor, which I know sounds crazy, but he he says you can or you are entitled to your own facts if you can make your version of them stick. But think about that for a minute. He is assuming that his words are meaningful or else you wouldn't know what he's talking about so that you could disagree with it. So the very fact that he's even expressing his viewpoint in words proves that his point is wrong. And then finally, there's just the plain difference between facts and opinions. And our students today have a really hard time with this. But it, you know, it, some of these things are pretty obvious. If I were to say water boils at 212 degrees Fahrenheit, it wouldn't be reasonable for you to say, well, maybe that's true for you, but that's not true for me. Or Martin, you know, Martin Luther King died on April 8th, 1968. Well, maybe that's true in your world, but in my culture, it's different, right? That doesn't make any sense. If you were getting ready to take an airplane trip from New York to London, you had better take enough gas for 3,500 miles of a journey, even if you grew up believing that the continents touch or that it isn't 3,500 miles away. So once students begin to grasp that there is, there is truth. Then they start to realize, okay, but it's not always easy to figure it out. Why not? Because I don't have the knowledge. I have to train myself. We tell our students, if you want to be a leader, you have to be a reader. You have to learn to think logically and grasp what is happening in the world around you. You have to see it from a reasonable perspective. And then I, I think beyond that, students realize sometimes I don't want things to be true because it would change how I have to live my life. Mm-hmm. And that's why being at two, for two weeks with us at Summit Ministries or a week in one of our virtual programs and making friends and feeling safe to think, you can grapple with some of those barriers that just have more to do with stubbornness than they have to do with our real understanding of truth.
2: Mm, And that was so wonderfully expressed. And it it does seem like culture today is not only decoupling the meaning of words from the the actual uh, essence of reality, but they're intentionally making everything fluid as subjective, and totally dependent on emotion. And that's a really dangerous thing for uh, for anyone, but especially young people. And I'm seeing that as well um, in the church, that faith is now described as purely emotion. And we love God, but we tend to shy away in the church from speaking more about the truth of God because that's not always pretty. That's not always something that we want to follow because we have different lifestyles, proclivities, uh, you know, any of those tendencies that may be toward an unrighteous life. And so um, as students are looking at these different competing worldviews, uh, what are the the primary worldviews that you address at Summit?
0: Hmm. Well, the primary counterfeit worldview that we seem to be addressing these days is a Marxist worldview. Karl Marx started started with atheism and then said only the material world exists there's no god there's no jesus there's no holy spirit there's nothing immaterial even thoughts actually are only physical so all we have in the world is our natural resources As human beings, we should share that equally. So if one person has more than another person, it's because they stole it. They took more than their fair share, and they must be made to give it back. So a Marxist worldview is one of those counterfeit worldviews our students face. A secular worldview. The secular worldview says we are the neutral people. You people who are Christians— you're off on your, in your own direction, but we're the neutral ones. And we help our students realize, no, I mean, the definition of religion in the dictionary is a set of beliefs about the cause, nature, and purpose of the universe. An atheist has a religious belief. So it's important for our students to understand that a secular or non-sectarian viewpoint can't claim to be neutral. It's also making value claims that it has to prove. We talk about the worldviews of Islam, worldviews of postmodernism, new spirituality or new age. And then all of the big issues come into that from critical race theory to all of the things that, that happen. Uh, You mentioned that you love the Q and a time and I just, I just want people who are watching to picture 20 really bright or even 50 or 75 really bright students. And the professor sits down there and says, you can ask whatever question you want. That displays a boldness that speaks to the hearts of these students.
2: Mm, absolutely, and you know it reminds me of the difference uh, between our. our- uh, former and current administrations where if you're not consistent and you don't have the courage and, and you uh, do have fear, then you'll hide. But when you have boldness and you know that you are on the side of the truth, then you're unafraid of questions. And um, you know, and, and and I also see, Dr. Jeff, in a lot of students when we have the top-level issues, we have things that we're dealing with in um, in life and culture and politics, and so many students have have um, almost a smorgasbord of worldview components because they often don't recognize unless they've thought through this, they've been to summit, they've read on their own, you know, some of these uh, ways of analyzing things to have a comprehensive worldview, then there are often a lot of people that have a disjointed view that's completely inconsistent. So it's almost like this mosaic that doesn't have an actual picture to it. It doesn't make sense. And, and how That's do you a, find yeah. that you deal with those, uh, those types of students in Summit?
0: Well, uh, I, I guess one of the main things I want to have happen is that students learn to think well. They learn to think consistently. It is probably pretty natural in a, in a disoriented culture to just pick up little bits of truth here and there and to never really think about how one belief that you hold might conflict with another belief that you hold. To some people, that doesn't even really matter. You mentioned that they, they, they decide ba- what is real to them based on how they feel about it. Now, I, I think feelings are valid, emotions are important, but we need to learn to think about the things that we believe. Well, One of our professors will regularly tell the students, look, I, I'm, I'm, my goal is to put a pebble in your shoe. I want you to be thinking about truth. And I want you to be thinking about how your ideas are consistent. If you're going to leave Summit and want to live an inconsistent life, just know that it is inconsistent, that you mm. can't rationalize it simply because you're speaking your truth.
2: And and now they'll know. <laughs> and then now and hopefully that that pebble will convince them uh, to come back to be able to, to take it out of their shoe. And, you know, emotion just reveals what we're thinking. And so emotion will fall in line with truth when we are in line with truth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Just the Truth. The hour always goes by so quickly, and it's gone by so quickly tonight with my good friend, Dr. Jeff Myers, who's the president of Summit Ministries, and we're talking about worldviews and why it's so important to ask the critical questions and Dr. Jeff um, I think a lot of people who are watching this program are asking the political questions and they want to know what is the linkage between the Christian worldview and politics because we hear so often about separation of church and state and if you're a Christian you should have nothing to do with politics and let's be uh, kingdom-minded meaning just about heaven so what is the Christian worldview of politics?
0: Uh, This is something we love getting into at Summit, because a lot of students come to us and say, well, I want to try to stay away from politics, because that drives people away from their Christian faith. But that's only true depending on how you approach it. Uh, At Summit Ministries, we take our students all the way back to Augustine, who argued in his book, City of God Against the Pagans, that the citizen of the kingdom of heaven will always be the best citizen in the kingdom of man, because his allegiance is to something that is higher than the state. If the state is the highest thing, then you would have to admit that Adolf Hitler was right in everything that he did because he was the state. But if there is a truth that is higher than that and and there is accountability, then, um, then it's going to be a very different viewpoint. Uh, the beauty of that accountability idea is that it's built into the very fabric of the United States Constitution. And Abraham Lincoln put it this way, he said, we have government of the people, by the people, and for the people. If you want to do what scripture says, and obey your authorities, then you have to be a good citizen. There's really no way around it. So we help our students understand that traditionally there are three spheres in life. There's the government, there is the church, and there is the family. Kind of picture three balloons in a box. And you want each of these spheres to have its, its room to exist. So if the government expands too much and it squeezes the church and the family, then society gets out of balance. So a good society is one in which the government has its proper role, has its proper boundaries, its proper sphere, family is supported and encouraged, and church is supported and encouraged. That's why, I'm so, that's why I spend so much time talking about religious freedom. I mean, just think of what the church does in America. I'm Brian Grimm, the sociologist, said that the people in churches contribute so much economic value through the services, the charitable work they do, that it's probably a value of between $1.2 and $4.5 trillion a year. That's a third of the economy and that's the way it's supposed to be. Churches are supposed to have their space, families, and then the government should be run within proper bounds. So we can talk about politics at Summit just like we can talk about law, sociology, psychology, and everything else.
2: Yeah, and we should. You know, I think it's one of uh, the worst things that has happened um, around the family dinner table to say, well, when you come home for Thanksgiving, don't talk about faith, don't talk about politics, because those are the hot-button issues. No, those are the things that we need to be talking about, and especially we need to be talking about um, uh, with young people, with college students. My my little brother just uh, finished his first year at Liberty University and I'm so proud of him. And he went in, um, he was a summit student as well and absolutely loved it and um, went in with an understanding of his comprehensive faith and it's just so incredibly important and so for students um, and also I I think there's probably a lot of adults who are really excited who want to go to Summit and say I want to learn all of this stuff as well but uh, where can people come for the classes and for all of this great content at Summit?
0: Well, if you come to summit.org, you'll see there are lots of ways you can engage. Just last evening, we hosted a program, for example, for a 1,000 people in 25 different countries on religious liberty. It was a free program that went on for three hours. You can watch videos of that program and all of the others. But for young adults who are 16 to 25, We want to actually interact with you, and there are two ways to do it. One, we do have in-person programs. I do believe all of those slots are full for this summer, but if you come to summit.org, you can see if there are any spaces left. Second is Summit Virtual. This is a week-long program that you can do from home, In fact, you can get college credit for it. And during that week, you'll be part of a small group. You'll hear uh, lectures from different people. You'll get a chance to ask all of your tough questions. And for people whose schedule is really tight, which is a lot of people these days, this is a really simple way to get some biblical worldview training and be well-prepared and well-equipped for this coming fall.
2: That's fantastic. And so for those in-person uh, classes, I know you're primarily based out of my home state of Colorado. Um, so where are the classes that are in person?
0: Okay, don't tell Dr. Fauci what we're talking about right now.
2: Uh, <laughs> I'm going to send this clip have... to him directly. So, yeah. <laughs>
0: um, We are still in a semi-state of lockdown in the state of Colorado. You can go to the restaurant, but you can't go to camp. So we moved all of our camps out of the state of Colorado for this summer to three free states, to South Carolina, to Georgia, and to Arizona. So if you come to summit.org, you'll see where those programs are located for this summer. But in most summers, we would plan to be here at our facility in Manitou Springs, Colorado, which is in this little hippie town that's tucked in right at the foot of Pike's Peak and uh, you know and love Manitou Springs. Uh, We do too. We would rather be here, but we would rather be with students in person, even if we have to be someplace else. It's just time
2: absolutely and this is why uh, christians engaging in politics are so important because imagine if we had 50 state governors that understood the true definition of freedom and liberty uh, we would be in a much different place than uh with you know demigod fauci over there but uh, but jeff thank you so much for joining me tonight and um thank you so much for your investment in students and also in me um and i just i so appreciate your heart with this and uh just the the phenomenal experience that summit is and i hope that Um, If you're a parent or if you're a college student um, or if you are an up-and-coming high school student and you're watching this, please go to Summit Ministries, or just just summit.org, to join the program. And I promise you, this will be the best week or two weeks you will have ever spent because learning and understanding and engaging these worldviews is incredibly important. And this is why we picked Just the Word for tonight. 1 Peter 3:15 through 17 says, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is within you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil." Friends, Apologetics is so important, having a defense for our faith, but we have to first understand our rational faith. And I am so thankful that Summit Ministries exists. I'm thankful that I was part of that program. And I wanted to share that tonight with you. And I'm so thankful for Dr. Jeff, because we have to be, as he said, good citizens of this world. We have to fulfill the Great Commission and always share the love of Christ with others. And in order to do that, we have to first understand it. It's so